No. Yes. Man, works every time. Welcome back to another episode of the Super Duper Flex Bros, your second favorite Dynasty podcast. Sam, where else would you rather be on a Saturday night than talking about rookie picks and what to do with these aging running backs? Uh, there, I mean, if we're if we're being honest, there's a lot of places I'd I'd rather be. We do have a bit of a heat wave coming through Minnesota. I think it got up to the uh, the high 20s today, so that was nice. But no, I mean, this is our our second favorite show, and so this is the the second place I'd choose to be. So I'm I'm pumped. We've we've had some material to go over here the the last week or so. So let's just jump right into it. Yeah, like I said, it's uh, Saturday night, January 29th. We'll be uh, doing a quick running back quiz that you put together, and we'll be talking about our rookie 107 and 108 picks. Yeah, so we we went through last year um, basically just kind of the oldest to youngest running backs, and it, it really gave us a good idea of which running backs we should be moving off of. And that's just strictly if you're going to go based on age, which I know we, we've seen older running backs be productive. Uh, for stints, you think of Mark Ingram, where people didn't really want him, and then he went to the Ravens, and he was productive. Um, we've seen other players kind of like that go go to other rosters. Uh, Leonard Fournette, I think he's one of the most recent ones. And, and then, of course, we got Melvin Gordon for the Broncos. So they're not totally throwaway, necessarily just trade for a random second, but they're probably guys you're not going to get a first for. Um, but so anyways, we, we went through that list last year and it, it was good for us to kind of see who's kind of coming up next on the cliff as we push these guys down. I know last season, uh, even with Cam Akers getting hurt, we talked about can Cam Akers come back and, and be in the RB1 conversation. And my argument right away was I don't think so, because I think in the next class we'll see him. Uh, get pushed down by at least two or three running backs uh, just coming into the NFL. And then um, he's probably going to need a little bit more time to rehab, which I, I might be wrong on that. Akers is looking good. Um, so he might be a low-end RB1. But then, of course, in 2023, we might see him get pushed down outside the top 15. So uh, just just some thoughts that I, I can kind of remember from last year. But so anyways, what what I think we can do here is I'll just do a quiz and I'll ask you if you remember who is from this class. Uh, I might give you a name or two to get you started and see if you can think of anybody else. So these lists uh, from each year, we're just going to look at who we would consider to be, you know, like a relevant running back. If you've got them as your RB2 flex or, or of course, RB1, somebody you'd plug in. But we're not going to be talking about um, Duke Johnson, Devonta Freeman. Um, I, I saw James White and Zach Moss. They're still being held in pretty much every league. Um, and David Johnson. So those guys, of course, you can still roster them. But you're not going to see those types of players on this list. So uh, what we're going to do is last year's class, for example, the uh, 2021 class, we're going to call those the the toddler backs. So they're no longer fresh rookies. They're not one-year-olds. They're going to be two-year-olds. Um, so that kind of explaining how we're um, defining these the age of these uh, running backs. Tom, if we go back to 2014, can you list any relevant nine-year-old running backs that if you have them on your roster, you're going to play them? It was, it was a trick question. So for 2014, there are no relevant running backs. 
um, that, that you can concern yourself with rostering. Um, so especially in startups, you don't need to go find that running back that's going into their ninth season. Um, so moving on to 2015, we, we have one running back that's going into their eighth season. Um, and you're probably plugging them in every time that they're on the roster. Can you think of who that might be? Uh, I think that was the DeMarco Murray and Melvin Gordon was taken by the Chargers that year, right? It was Melvin Gordon. You All right. It. I remember that. So, you remember whichever, uh, another running back from that class? Was it James White? Nope. He, he was getting taken at the, the 101 in, in a, a lot of classes or in a lot of drafts, but I'm pretty sure that was the same class as Todd Gurley. Oh, I think you're right. Yep, he's he's been moved out of this list as well. Yeah, unfortunately. So well, well done. So yeah, Melvin Gordon. He's played seven seasons, uh, more or less. I know he's had some injuries in there, but he's going to be going into his eighth year. Um, so needless to say, I, I think last season a lot of people were moving off Melvin Gordon. Uh, but Tom, you and I are actually going to be doing a startup draft here. I think in about three weeks, and. What this tells me is we probably want to stay hands off from Melvin Gordon. Of course, he's not being drafted even as like a top 20 or 25 running back. But I think the last couple of seasons, he's carried that top 20 running back upside. Uh, I think looking at this, though, with him being the oldest relevant running back, I think we're probably going to be pretty hands off. Is Are you feeling the same way? Yeah, it, absolutely. And and one of the, the trendy things to talk about in Dynasty right now is is selling a, a year early instead of a, a year late. And I think I think Melvin Gordon's probably one of the most obvious sell candidates. And um, he, he was definitely a player that I was trading for those. Those are really from picks to get players like uh, Rashad Bateman and, and Pat, Pat Fryermuth from this last draft. And um, I think if you go, go to somebody with Melvin Gordon and, and see if you can get the uh, the 201 or the, the 204. I, I don't think you're going to find too many buyers at that price anymore. Yeah, I think Melvin Gordon, he's probably going to be the running back. If you own him, you're just going to be stuck with him. Unless you, you want to get out and trade him for a mid to late second. Um, but e- even that, you might not be able to get that price for him. So I, I think we're in agreement. We're going to be hands off from Melvin Gordon, but I will and, say and that, in the league, that that can, that can be fine. If you, if you're not able to get the second round, you definitely don't want to trade him for, for a third round or, or any, anything later than that. And he, he still has some, some RB two weeks and, and probably a handful of, of RB one weeks left in, in the tank for, for his overall career too. So if, if you can't move, move him for uh for an early second or, or a mid second, then yeah, like you said, just, just hold, hold, you don't, you don't have to think about dropping him or anything, but, He's, he's definitely on the block in, in any leagues that I that I own him. Yeah, we're, we're in agreement there. I've got him on a couple of squads, and I'll still roll him out uh, as my RB3 or flex and, of course, on bye weeks. But I, I think about a, a couple of startups that I did last, or, um, probably like four years ago, and we were seeing Le'Veon Bell, uh, David Johnson, and Todd Gurley going super early, and those guys have no value now, so... That's awesome that Melvin Gordon's been productive, but yeah, I think we're in agreement there. So moving up to the 2016 class, so our seven-year-old running backs, we've got two running backs, Tom. Do you, can you name either of them? I know one of them is for sure Zeke, because that's the class that Zeke and Dak came out together. Yep. 
and Jordan Howard. Yeah. Ooh, he might have been part of that class. I don't have him on this list because I don't think I think he's kind of that Devonta Freeman category where maybe he's going to have some relevant weeks with injuries and stuff. But he he's not somebody I'd consider you got to play if you have him. Uh, the yeah, other one is no, Derek. That's Ryan. fair. Um, but yeah, we we can go back and cite that and see if he was part of that class. But Derek Henry, he's the other one. So uh, everybody's been calling for Zeke and Henry to lose steam. I don't know. This is probably going into the third year of that. And I, I hate going off other people's narratives, but at this point going into their seventh season, I think it's fair to say they're not going to retain RB one value um, for another year. So if, if you've got them and you're not competing, I, I think it's fair to say that you should probably try to trade them away. Of course, we know the 23 class is going to be really good. So I don't know if, if you're totally punting, um, you probably can't even get a 23 first. So you might have to do something where you get a second for this year just so you can take a shot on one of these wide receivers we're going to talk about in upcoming shows. So maybe trade Henry and a 23 second for a 23 first and get a 22 second. So at least you've got somebody to, to uh, draft this season. Do you think that's a fair trade to a, a team that's contending? Yeah, I, I think that that's pretty fair. I, I I think just to sum up what you said, basically, if you, you want Henry if you're competing. And if you're rebuilding, he's he's an um, immediate sell now candidate. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not super concerned with the Titans. I know I know they flopped against the Bengals or um, it was it was close, but they definitely didn't do as much damage through the airs they thought they would with, with Tannehill throwing a bunch of picks. Uh, but I, I think that roster is pretty much going to be the same the next few seasons. But it, I, that same argument that I was making last year with Cam Akers, it, it's hard to imagine Henry uh, continuing to be like retain that RB1 status with a couple of running backs coming in this year and then a handful the following year. So, uh, And then Zeke, again, people have been calling for his head for a while. I think he's... He's a solid running back, but I think you'd want to look at doing one of the a, a similar deal to what we're, we were just talking about. So moving up to 2017, I think this is the the largest list or one, one of the largest lists of relevant running backs. Can you uh, recall yeah. the 2017 class, Tom? Yeah, uh, 2017. That's definitely the the holy grail of the the running back class. So, uh, well, McCaffrey and Dalvin. Camara. Uh, I know uh, there was uh, Marlon Mack. That was that was one of the one of the sleepers that that panned out for a season. Uh, did I say Joe Mixon? You did not. It sounds like you're reading a list, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the, the doubt <laughs> that you're going off off memory. <laughs> no, I, I was listening to another show that, that was that was talking to talking about okay. these players earlier today too. And, and um, to be, I, I know to be fair, Mar- Marlon Mack is no longer on this list. <laughs> is there is there at least eight guys on this on the list? I've got six. And okay. so maybe, maybe I know our our SDFB scoring system when we when we uh, rate teams, it can be a um, a little harsh. So maybe I'm a little harsh on this too. But the the full list um, in no particular order. We've still got Leonard Fournette. He was that that Jags running back taken. 
um, that that they they really drove him into the ground. But he's you're still going to play him if you have him. So we've got Fournette, Cook, Mixon, Kamara, CMC, and then actually we had a, a friend of the show, a movable OBJ. Um, he was he was looking at this list the other day, and he pointed out I actually did not have Austin Eckler on this. I, I don't know how I, I missed him on that list, but Eckler is the sixth running back. So it's really interesting because I know Fournette has shown pass-catching ability, but then when you think of Cook, Mixon, Kamara, CMC, and Eckler, you think of pass-catching backs. So I, I told you before we started recording this show, I, I really don't like the facts that are in front of me on this because I love Kamara and I love Eckler. They're staples on a lot of my teams. Um, but, but Tom with them being pass catching running backs, maybe they hold value a little bit longer. Do you have any concerns with any of these? I'll say five guys Fournette, I think I would put him in, in kind of the Melvin Gordon class. We're taking Zeke and Henry over Fournette, but when it comes to cook Mixon, Camara, CMC and Eckler, do you have any concerns with them about trying to trying to get out in the next 12 months? No, it, it, unless it was an obvious overpay, I'm I'm not looking to to move any of these guys. I, I think they're still safe for for another year or two, and and they're they're the kind of guys that you want to see on your roster on um, during during those those championship pushes when when you're, you're confident that they can they can get you a, a solid floor and that they have the um, the, the upside of, of scoring thirty plus points. So I'm I'm not moving off of um, any of these guys, but I did pull up this class just to confirm that there are a few other names on there. So um, did you mention Chris Carson from this class? Oh, I, I did not, but I, I I'll say he's on the fence. I don't know if he yeah. should make this list or not. And Aaron Jones. Okay. Aaron Jones was a miss. So again, uh, a pass catching running back though. So yeah, this, this was, this was quite the, the class. If, if 2023, the running backs really end up being what 2017 was. Um, I, I know we're all overpaying to get those picks, but we might need to even pay a little bit more. And we also have one, one more of your favorites, James Conner. Hey, I, I like that. That's a, that, you're, you're playing him if you have him. So. Yeah, so, so maybe, maybe there are nine or ten. I, I also see uh, Tariq Cohen came out of this class. Hopefully he makes a, a recovery and, and a resurgence in his career. I don't know if Tariq Cohen ever made the list as a, a set it and forget it running back, but but we we can put him that, on the fence with, with Chris Carson. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So I think, and, and James Conner, he's even shown pass catching abilities. So this 2017 class, they might be here to stay another solid two or three years. So I I agree with you. I'm not looking to get out on any of these guys, um, and it's it's really interesting to see that they've all for the most part got that pass catching upside and that could really help them be a foundational piece for contending teams, not only in fantasy, but in the NFL where they might get a second or a third contract at like a two or three year deal uh, simply to be there as a staple to the offense on third downs and, and doing some pass catching stuff, especially obviously CMC and Camaro where they might just see a lot more time in the slot as they slow down just so they're not, um, run the ball up the middle, but, and, and Eckler. So yeah, 2017, we all know is amazing class uh, going into their sixth season. I, I think we can still say it's pretty amazing. 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm still I'm still holding on. That was that was a uh, spectacular class. So moving on up to uh, 2018. So these are going to be our five year olds. Um, do you remember that class? Uh, the only one that comes to mind is Saquon. And that's horrible because I, I hate that Nick Chubb is continually disrespected oh, because he was in Saquon's class. <laughs> but that's yep. that that's that's what's happened to him. He's always been overshadowed. And I I don't know if you're on the same page, but I think I'd actually take Chubb over Saquon in a startup uh, just because I think Chubb's in that system with Stefanski where they're comfortable running the offense through screens to the running back and obviously play action and running the ball. And Saquon's kind of an, an unknown. Um, so, but those are the two. And then I was going to ask you, I know I created this list, but would it be fair to put either Penny or Sony Michelle on this list? I think you can make an argument for, for both. Um, the only thing with, with Sony is I don't see him having a path to being a starting running back next season. Whereas um, it, 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 Pete Carroll already came out and said that Rashad Penny um, should have should have the opportunity or, or um, something to that effect that that he's that he's earned the the opportunity to to be a starter. So um, definitely higher on, on on Penny, but but Sony showed that he still has a little bit of life left in those knees too. Yeah, I think we can put Penny and Michelle on the fence with uh, Cohen and Carson. Um, well, and yeah. I don't want to. Um, go past what, what you said too quickly about about preferring Nick Chubb to Saquon because we we've seen both these players on on bad offenses with bad quarterbacks but the difference is that the Browns have a, a pretty solid offensive line and they're uh, very committed to uh, running the ball um, so if if anybody out there has Saquon and you're able to make that that uh, trade for for Nick Chubb or maybe you can even get Nick Chubb plus I would, I'd be, be making that trade as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the time might've passed. I think, I know I, I, I sold Saquon um, and, and I might've gotten the, the losing end of the deal, but I traded Saquon away for uh, Chubb's partner, Kareem Hunt and a uh, 2022 first. But yeah, I think Saquon's super high efficiency days. They're not totally gone, uh, but there's, there's definitely going to be, um, some things that kind of need to work out in his favor, obviously. So 2018, we'll just say Saquon and Chubb. Those are those set in forget it guys, but honorable mention to Penny and Michelle. Uh, 2019, so the, the four-year-olds. So these are guys that um, if they're taken in the first round, I believe they their teams have that fifth-year option. So they're not going anywhere here in the next year or two. Um, and then there's some guys on this list that were obviously taken outside the first round. Do, do you remember any from this class? Um, 2019. Uh, well, it was the year after Saquon, so uh, McCaffrey, right? Uh, CMC was the the year before Saquon. Oh, so okay. th- think of the uh, the Kyler Murray class. Oh, the, uh, you got Jacobs, Miles Sanders. David Montgomery. Uh, those those were the three that that have been interchangeable between who's who's more valuable in, in Dynasty uh, since they're since they got drafted, and then Singletary and Justice Hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Justice Hill is not on the list. 
Uh, I put Singletary on the list because of what he did recently. I know it's the end of, end of the season like Penny, uh, but the Bills seem like they're a really good organization and they continue to prioritize what's going to put this team past the, the hump. Uh, I think with Diggs and Davis and then uh, wide receivers that are going to want to jump on that bandwagon, I don't expect the Bills to take a wide receiver early, and I definitely don't expect them to take – a running back early because I think they've seen Josh Allen's the one that leads them down the field. They don't need to sprinkle in really inefficient runs with, with Zach Moss or Singletary, but, but Singletary did, did everything that they asked him to do um, at the back half of the season. So I do have Singletary on that list. Uh, Damian Harris was also in that class as well as uh, Darrell Henderson. So I think Henderson and, uh, and, and Madison as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Madison's a good, uh, but potential play. It, well, especially if Cooks out. Um, I'm. I've never been super high in Madison, uh, but I think Henderson's going to join everybody else on the fence. And then Damian Harris. He's a Patriots running back. So if if you've got him, you kind of have to play him and hope for the best. And if if you have a Patriots running back that could potentially be the starter, and you're not starting them then you probably just want to get out and relieve yourself of that headache Uh, but you mentioned that this class has been interchangeable between jacob sanders and montgomery so uh how would you rate those three we're we're doing a startup here in a few weeks if all three of those are there later on in the draft who would you take between jacob sanders and montgomery i think i'm taking montgomery first because i thought after Montgomery got hurt and Khalil Herbert um, showed that he's a capable starter. I thought it was, that it was going to be at least a two headed committee between the two, but um, it looked like once he, once he came back from, from injury, they had no problem with giving him um, 90 plus percent of the, uh, of the workload in Chicago. Uh, Miles Sanders is, um, has, has been stuck in a three and four headed committee week to week. So I think the, um, the potential is still there, but with him, uh, just, it's just kind of a mystery if he's going to get five or 10 or 15 carries each week he's out there. I, I think I'd have to lean Josh Jacobs. So um, that's a long-winded way of saying that I would order them Montgomery, Jacobs, Sanders. Yeah, I, I like that call. Um, I, I recently did a trade for Josh Jacobs. Um, trying to pull up the sleeper app quick just so I don't make a fool of myself. Uh, but I believe Jacobs is still pretty young 23 years old yep sleepers confirm it at 23 so probably probably going to be 24 going into or um, at some point next season yeah i I don't think he just turned 23 Um, but jacob's still very young as well Um, i i prefer jacobs but what you kind of laid out that makes sense the bears are of course really they they started chopping heads um, as far as like the front office and the coaching staff so i think we're gonna see um, them kind of try to try to follow the path of of building a strong team, and that usually doesn't involve taking a running back in the first couple of rounds. So I think Montgomery's starter touches are are going to be really safe. Uh, but I, I like that that Herbert mentioned. I think he's definitely worth uh, evaluating as somebody to trade for. I don't know if you can trade a late second for Herbert, but he definitely popped when he was given the opportunity. And seeing what the Bears are going to have to do as far as I hate using the word rebuild, but I think that's essentially what they're going to do. Could 
do you think it's possible we see Herbert be the starter once Montgomery's out? He, Montgomery wasn't a first round uh, running back, so I don't think they have a a fifth year option on him. Um, I I think it just just uh, playing the guessing game. I think Montgomery stays in, in Chicago and is the starter, but. Um, as we've seen with the the regular season being extended, we've seen a lot more injuries um, and teams like the the Cowboys that that have gone from a workhorse running back to more of a, a committee where it's more of a, a 70-30 split or a 60-40 split. So I, I could see Herbert um, getting close to 10 touches per week after after showing what he could do his, uh, his, his rookie season. So um, I think I think. Herbert's ceiling is definitely capped. I don't think there's an opportunity for him to be um, a top top twenty running back in, in dynasty ever, but um, definitely has that that RB two upside each week. So moving on to the 2020 class, Tom, this is when you and I jumped in uh, head first as far as the the fantasy shows and getting our takes out there. I We, we might have had a couple of misses, but I think we had some hits overall. Uh, can you remember the 2020 recent uh, rookie class as far oh, as running backs? The, the, uh, the debate that everybody was having that year was, was it Jonathan Taylor or was it CEH? And uh, Dobbins, Akers, Swift, Antonio Gibson, and I feel like there's there's one more obvious one out there that that I'm that I'm not thinking of right now. Well, yeah, there's there's one, but we might have to put him on the fence. But based on what Acres has done after that injury, maybe not. But that's going to be uh, James Robinson with the the Achilles injury. Yep. Um, so some people they went out as as far as to say they they prefer James Robinson over one of these guys. Um, but it's it's really cool to see how high uh, people were on this class and there weren't really a lot of misses, but when you think of Swift specifically CEH, uh, what Taylor's done and Gibson, those four are really tremendous pass catchers. And then Dobbins, I feel like just hasn't been given that opportunity uh, in that system. I, I just don't think he gets a lot of looks. And then James Robinson, he's done everything. Um, that's been asked of him too. And, and then of course, acres coming back from that injury. So I, I, I love this class. I think any of these guys, you could have them, well, not Robinson anymore, but anyone else you could have as an RB one uh, on your roster. You, we don't need to waste our time go, going back and forth, how we value these guys. I think they, they're all going to retain value. Robinson, you can absolutely get at a discount. Do you have any thoughts on on this class a couple of years after you and I started recording all these shows? Well, one one player that I don't think we we spent a lot of time talking about, but um, he was he was a, a hot name for for a week or two. But AJ Dillon um, is I, I believe most people value him as as like a top thirty running back in dynasty right now. I know I know you haven't really been too high on him, and, and we we did see people trade in future first, which I think is fair because nobody's giving up a second for um, or giving up AJ Dillon for a second anymore. But what's, what's, what's your thought on, on AJ Dillon that you, you talk about the, the injury discount for James Robinson, that the last time we saw AJ Dillon, he, he was walking off the field in some discomfort with a, with a rib injury. He, I, I haven't been high on AJ Dillon, um, but I've been wrong before. And I think I, I could definitely be wrong on Dillon. I'm still not going out and trying to acquire him anywhere but 
I looked at what Jordan Love did a lot. Um, and so this is, I guess it's a, a two-part answer, and we're going to have to do this until we know what Aaron Rodgers is doing. So if Rodgers stays in Green Bay, uh, I think what Dylan did this last season, that's that's his ceiling. Uh, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I think he, he was a fine low-end RB2 flex play. Uh, but but Rodgers never leads a team where they're, they're going to be running in all the touchdowns, and, and he really favors Aaron Jones. Obviously, he's Aaron Jones has built that trust. Um, so it, if Rogers comes back, I, I'm not going to really change my response on that, but if Rogers leaves, I think it'd actually be a little bit higher on Dylan. So a lot of what Jordan Love did, um, really well in college, it was actually targeting the tight end position in close. And then he wasn't afraid to check the ball down, which I think, um, LaFleur and a lot of that coaching staff, they probably really liked from that tape. I, he was, he was productive because he he made some mistakes when he was throwing the ball uh, deep down the field, trying to make something happen. But he also had a lot of design plays to the tight, to the uh, running back for screens. And, and you, you kind of see him targeting them on the flat when, when you could tell he, he wanted to try to force the ball down the field, but he was being smart. Um, so I wonder if all these practice reps the last couple of seasons, he's, he's seen what a guy like Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon can do if you give him the ball in space. So to answer your question, if Rogers comes back, uh, I'm still going to be hands off from Dillon, but if Rogers leaves, I'll actually be a little higher on Dillon. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, a fair assessment. And um, I I'm, personally, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with you that I'm not, I'm not very high on him, but we, we did see uh, Derrick Henry spend the first uh, two years, I believe, behind DeMarco Murray. And then uh, people in the dynasty community, they, they, they kept asking for the, the Tens to, to feed Henry. And then uh, that third year was was the year that he popped. So I'm, I'm pulling up um, Dylan's finishes in the first two seasons. So um, he was RB82 his rookie year, um, not very noteworthy. And then um, actually finished as RB twenty three this this past year, so I guess I didn't realize how uh, how high he he had he actually finished when he was split in time in in the backfield with with uh with with Aaron Jones. So maybe maybe you and I are too low on on him right now. Yeah, well I know I think I'd seen that he actually accumulated um, over a thousand total yards between um, receiving and rushing, but what makes me nervous about Dylan is I think we may have just seen his ceiling season. So it, we've got all off season. People are going to kind of pound the the table for their, their favorite sleepers and their buy lows and everything. And I'm, I can almost guarantee AJ Dylan is going to be one of those guys. And that exact same argument I keep referencing with cam acres um, with why I don't think he can be an RB one. I think that that could still hold true for AJ Dillon, where I don't think he finishes as an RB two again. I think we just saw him finish as RB 23 when we saw a handful of stars go down early in the season or before the season even kicked off. We're going to have those guys, Dobbins, Akers, uh, CMC healthy. I mean, if, if the majority of these guys don't get hurt and then, AJ Dillon's there. Well, we're going to see probably two or three rookie running backs uh, come in and finish higher than him too. So I think he he might kind of just get stuck at that um, that flex level running back. So that's fine for bye weeks. Uh, you got to love the Packers whenever they're at home. So I think he's absolutely going to have some fantasy relevant games. But 
yeah, I, I, I don't see. I don't see him. I mean, he was at RB twenty three. I don't see him finishing inside the the top twenty anytime soon. Yeah, I guess there's there's a lot of uh, unanswered questions about what's going to happen in, in Green Bay right now. So I guess we'll have to just sit tight on that one. Yeah. Well, then moving into our toddler backs, our two year old backs. Uh, do you remember from last year's class who who would you consider? Uh, a set in, forget it, weekly start. Uh, well, well Najee was the consensus RB1. So Najee, Javante Williams, we were talking off air that uh, as much as you and I love him, he's the hype might be getting out of control right now. Michael Carter made enough splash plays to be considered a uh, an every week start. And I think that might be it from this class. So two other names, I put Travis Etienne because we, we've talked about how he should be coming back from the same Liz Frank injury that Hollywood Brown recovered from Foley. Um, and we're going to see Robinson most likely out unless if he does a four-month recovery like Akers. Uh, but either way, we should see Etienne going in as the pass catcher at minimum. And there's going to be a lot of pass catching opportunities from the Jaguars that should not be competitive overnight. Um, and then I put Elijah Mitchell on there too. I I didn't have Carter on there. I think we might have to do spend a little more time looking at Carter this offseason on whether or not if, if we think he's he's real he should be on this list or if he should be kind of with the the Chris Carson and Darrell Hendersons of the world. Um, but from last year's class, uh, besides Elijah Mitchell, um, I don't think there was a ton of surprises, and I think that's kind of how this class is going to go too. Do you do you have any thoughts on last year's class? Were were you shocked at how productive Najee was or Javante was? Or do you have, do you have any um, super high hopes on ETN? I, I think we've talked about ETN enough. So I guess between Najee and Javante, do you have do you have any thoughts on what you'd be doing as far as buying or selling or holding? Um, I I would love to get my hands on on any of the, those three running backs that you that you listed, but I think their their price is definitely going to be a little too expensive right now. Um, I think I think the other running back from this class that if we didn't mention was uh, Reminder Stevenson, where we typically don't see the the rookie running backs get get a lot of run with the Patriots. But um, I'm I'm a I'm a big Reminder Stevenson fan after after missing on him on on every single draft this year. But um, we saw game scripts where the Patriots were were either up big or down big in the fourth quarter, and he was getting a lot of carries. So. I think he's he's one of those guys that you probably don't have to pay a first for right now in most leagues to acquire him, and and I think he's he's going to be a part of that that committee. And um, I know that the Patriots backfield isn't always something that you want to dip your toes in, but if this uh, if this class is really as weak as everybody's saying, then then maybe offering up a second for Ramondre Stevenson is a is a fair price at this point. Yeah, I, I think a, a second is definitely fair. Nobody's going to be paying a first, and yeah, it's. It's the the rotating running backs out of, out of New England. So personally, I, I'm hands off. So what I usually do with those backs, if they're on my roster, I wait for them to have a good game and then hand them off to somebody else and let let them deal with that headache. But that's a good call. He's he's used as the pass catcher when they're behind. Uh, I don't think they bring James White back. I could be wrong about that. Um, but yeah, and then of course if they're if they're up big and we've seen Damian Harris run in two or three touchdowns and. They try to take the load off of him. So that that's all we had for the running backs. 
one 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 last final thought about the uh, about about the rookies is we did a show um, a little over a year ago now that um, we we saw people coming back to this um, asking us questions about this. But if if you go on superduperflexbros.com and check out the the dynasty discussion, you can see the article that we we posted. Um, and, and one of the episodes that's titled "The Scary Truth About Drafting Running Backs Early in Startups," and we we went through the first um, 15 rounds of startups from the, the past two years. And do you remember the uh, the average ADP drop uh, for for running backs just one year after you draft them? Uh, their overall ADP, I, I don't, but I I do remember that study, and I can say it probably seven out of 10 or eight out of 10 running backs. Um, some, some percentage like that, 70 to 80%. I think they probably lose one to three rounds of value immediately the next season. Yeah. The, uh, the average running back drafted in the first 15 rounds of startups drops uh, 3.56 rounds in, in just one year. So if you, if you go back to any of your startup drafts from one or two years ago, you'll see, um, players that, that 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 have dropped from being drafted in the first round to the fourth round, or from the fourth to the seventh, and um, it, it it it's crazy. You and I were were talking out there how uh, Cam Akers was a guy that was being drafted in as a top six pick in Superflex drafts last year before the injury, and it's it's great to see him come back, and uh, hopefully he, he made a full recovery, but. Um, the idea of spending one of those top six picks on on a, a running back just because he he popped at the the end of his rookie season and he's he's only age twenty one um, you you see how how quickly that that value drops so I'm very hesitant um, to draft any any running back now with with an early pick wow well that number jumped out to me and then I think it just bears repeating you said those running backs they were dropping an average of three rounds so not three picks. Three yeah. rounds. So in a yep. fourteen-man league, they were dropping what forty-ish spots. That's yeah. That that that's crazy. That number still shocks me. Yeah, we, we you know it, when when you think about drafting running backs in the in the first round, you'll you'll think about players like Saquon and CMC, and and those are probably really bad examples right now. But there's there's players like Todd Gurley or Kenyon Drake or or Carryon Johnson just from two years ago that were drafted. Um, that they're 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 worthless for your your dynasty rosters at this point. That's a that's a good reminder. So we keep talking about the startup we're going to be doing in about three weeks, but I think the fifth or sixth round, that's where people are probably going to be creeping in on trying to take their second running back because they they don't have a second running back on their team. That's probably where they're going to reach and take Melvin Gordon or or Leonard Fournette. So it'll be interesting to kind of see where those guys uh, drop just 12 months later. Well, moving on to our, uh, our rookie picks, we're going to talk about the 107 and 108 tonight. So coming in at 107, we've got Chris Olave. Sam, I know this is one of your favorite wide receiver prospects, and you had to wait another year for him to come out. But um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Chris Olave as well. He, he had an official breakout his sophomore season in 2019 when he had 48 receptions. 840 yards and 12 touchdowns. Um, he had he had another great season in 2020. So many expected him to enter the 2020 draft along with his quarterback at the time, Justin Fields. But 
Uh, he decided to return for his senior season in 2021, and he uh, continued his dominance next to Garrett Wilson in that explosive Ohio State offense with 65 yards, 938 yards, or sorry, 65 receptions, 936 yards, and 13 touchdowns in, in only 11 games. So, Sam, I know, like I said, this is one of your favorite wide receivers. What do you what do you see um, out of Chris Olave, his rookie season this year? Well, yeah, first of all, I've, I've been very patient waiting for him to come in. I, I thought for sure I was going to be taking him at the end of the first round um, in rookie drafts last season. I, I ended up taking Elijah Moore a lot at that spot, which I feel good about. But uh, this season, it's no different. I think he's going to be at the end of the first round. He was surrounded by a lot of really talented wide receivers. But you mentioned he went back for his, his fourth season. And uh, those, those stats, they really didn't pop off the screen or anything. And he, he had some other uh, wide receivers, including Garrett Wilson, playing alongside him. And on paper, they looked a lot better. And so I, I'm going to give Chris Olave all the benefit of the doubt. I think he came in. Um, to his senior season and I think he's a team guy I think he really wanted to win that college championship Um, and and I think he was more than happy to see the ball get spread around he didn't need to be the number one or even the number two guy as far as stats go it uh, for that squad I think he just wanted to be there to play ball Uh, last season I think I was comparing him to Cooper Cup which I can no longer do because Cooper Cup was the wide receiver one uh, but he's just as polished as any wide receiver we've come in. Uh, if I have another comp, I want to say he's like a Calvin Ridley, where I think he can come in and they can have him run a lot of deep stuff to start, or they can have him run a lot of short and intermediate stuff. Uh, but he's just going to be super well-rounded. Whatever team he goes to, uh, he's going to make an impact immediately. I could see him being a high-volume guy, kind of like what Cup was um, coming in. and pretty much like what we, we saw Elijah Moore do too. Just a lot of really close stuff, just some easy laps for his quarterback and then let him go deep sometimes. But I, I can't tell you how excited I am right now. Um, I've got him rated as my number two wide receiver in, in the class. I'm being stubborn. I, I'm sure I'm going to move him down, but I I'm excited that Olave can't go back for a fifth season. We'll, we'll, we'll just say that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Just, just hearing, hearing those comps, uh, especially Cooper cup. Um, I think it's safe to say he won't be the wide receiver one, his freshman year coming in. Um, but I mean, if, if that's his, his absolute ceiling, I mean, that that's a player that we're, we're definitely going to be paying attention to. And, well, and tracking. We've, we've seen wide receivers at college kind of be covered up. So you think about like AJ Brown and DK Metcalf playing together. And then uh, people didn't really fully realize Jefferson's uh, greatness when he was playing with Chase. And I, I think Olave is kind of the same way. I think we're going to go back and maybe in two or three years, we're going to be valuing him the same as like a Jalen Waddle or something. And we're going to say, how did we not, how did we not get this right? And it's, I think he's just had a lot of talent around him, but whenever he's given opportunities, he's done well. And this isn't a guy that had like, 25 catches for 500 yards so we have to paint a narrative that this is a guy he's consistently coming in getting 50 grabs a season and and doing everything the team asked him to do so you don't really have to paint a picture to see him being productive so i i like the idea of him coming in and uh making an impact for fantasy squads immediately well and when you see those 65 receptions and 13 touchdowns that that means on, on average he's scoring 
once every every five receptions. So um, when when we were watching the Ohio State games this year, and even going back and, and watching the tape, what what I, what I really loved seeing him do uh, um, against teams, even our uh, beloved Gophers, uh, he's he's so great at seeing the field after he makes the reception and he can see if, if he's going to have a blocker from one of his other wide receivers where he's he's good at slowing down and letting the, the play develop almost like a running back if, if he has a block and he's able to um, take it to, to the end zone. So I, I, I just love his, his ability to um, kind of extend the play after um, after he makes the reception. And he, do, he doesn't try to try, run into, into contact or um, run out of bounds right away where he, he's always kind of looking for that that ability to uh, take it to the house so um, I, I'm, I'm very excited I, I think Chris Olave has one of the best um, floors out of this class where um, I don't I don't see any scenario at all that that, that he's that he's a miss he might he might not have have the highest ceiling um, as compared to some of the other wide receivers that we've talked about or some or some that we'll talk about in the future but um, Chris Olave should uh, should be a, a great wide receiver and, and be a good good chain mover for a team immediately. Yeah, we, we can move on. I, I don't want to let anybody else know um, <laughs> that they should be moving Olave up their ranks. So who else do you got? That's right. If if you got it, if you got that mid pick, don't don't take Olave. He's he's going to be a bust. Just just leave him <laughs> for us to take at the, at the end of the first. Going, but going into the, the 108, we've got Kenny Pickett, our second quarterback in our uh, ranking. So he, Kenny Pickett, I've seen uh, currently projected and del- deservingly so as the, the first quarterback in this year's NFL draft. Um, Kenny Pickett took a huge leap from 2020 to 2021 when he went from passing um, 13 touchdowns and nine inter- interceptions where he, he made that, that jump up to 42 passing touchdowns and seven interceptions. Uh, Pickett also increased his completion percentage from 61 to 67% in that time. And with 13 rushing touchdowns in Pickett's final 22 games at Pitt, um, he has the same sneaky rushing upside that makes Justin Herbert an an elite player in Dynasty. I I think Kenny Pickett is going to slowly climb the rankings for us, much like uh, most uh, NFL mock drafts. Um, I'm just excited to see what he does in the NFL. Yeah, you and I have been talking about these rookies a lot and where we should value them. And, of course, where the NFL values them. If if any of these guys go top five, top ten, we're going to have to make some adjustments. But I see a lot of, like, Jared Goff or Daniel Jones in in his game um, in a good way where, you know, they have the ability to get the ball downfield to make those plays, and they've got that sneaky rushing ability. Um, I don't know what Goff's numbers are, but I know Goff, he can, he can give you 20 rushing yards in, in a given game. Um, he's got a little bit of athleticism. So he, yeah, you, you hate to see the floor of like our, um, quarterback 25 and, and that that's probably what his floor is. But if he goes to, I've seen him mocked. I, I think of the Steelers specifically, um, and they, I don't think they want to have Mason Rudolph as their starting quarterback. So if, if Pickett did something like that, land, land with a team like the Steelers where everything is, is really set up prime. They've got a really good workhorse running back. That's not going anywhere. A a handful of talented wide receivers. I think, yeah, Pickett, he could be inside, you know, kind of around that, that two area um, where he's going to be as good as the, the team allows him to be. 
But if if he goes to a team, I, I mean, we don't know what the Bucks are going to look like, but if that roster just totally gets blown up, that might not be a good landing spot. So it's it, we talk about players being landing spot dependent and how, how to value that. I think we've seen the last few years at the wide receiver position. Uh, I'm just thinking of like A.J. Brown or Elijah Moore. People didn't really like their landing spots, but they, they showed they could do pretty well. But a lot of quarterbacks, of course, Trevor Lawrence comes to, to mind. But when they get put in a bad spot, it's really hard to see them kind of over overcome that. And I think Pickett's going to be one of those guys where if if he lands in a good spot, he's going to be good. In a bad spot, he's going to be bad. And it, it might just be as simple as that. So, yeah, I like having him here as our, as our second quarterback. But I'm definitely not going to be reaching on him if he goes into a, a pretty shaky situation. No, I, I I like that that assessment, and and honestly, yeah, we, depending on where these quarterbacks land, I think is going to change our uh, post draft ranks on on most of these quarterbacks. What I was saying about Pickett having that that sneaky rushing upside that that Justin Herbert has, I, I I'm I'm really getting higher and higher on 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 Pickett. The the more research and the more more tape that I've that I've seen on him, I I had a note here for use your own eyes and try to stay away from uh, players that are getting unnecessary hype from um, a lot of these, these fantasy analysts uh, players that, that didn't produce in college. And then uh, they're, they're getting tagged with phrases like explosive or dynamic have uh, kind of become uh, flags for me. So I don't know about you, Sam, but um, I, I feel like the, the first two years that, that you and I were, were doing dynasty and, we saw some players like Lynn Bowden, who was uh, uh, talked about as being this um, this dynamic player that he played all these positions. That he's he's going to be a, a good sleeper prospect. Um, I think I've, I've gotten burned on on too many of, of these guys that are supposedly do it all players. So I've um, I, I've that, that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to start coming up with with my own rookie rankings instead of just um, listening to other people that are that are uh, sharing the, these sleepers that I, I end up. Uh, wasting those picks on yeah no it, it's it's a good point and that's that's what makes you know these second and third round rookie picks so fun because if, if you don't plant your flag on one of those guys it, one strategy that that i like to do you know just cash in all those picks just to go get your guy so we saw even players like Jalen waddle drop into the 201 and the 202 in super flex leagues and their leagues i i had the 25 28 29 a handful of thirds and i just said here's all the picks let me take this player. Uh, so that that's always fun, too. So, yeah, we've talked about that recently on shows, and I'll repeat it again. It's, it's really fun to just take a couple of minutes, uh, whether you're taking a break at work or if you're you're riding the bus or you're just hanging out at home and the, the kids aren't sleeping. Uh, but, yeah, just, just watch, a, watch a couple of, of videos and, yeah, make that determination for yourself. Yeah, and we've, we've heard and uh... – or, or seen some discussions and in, in some of our own dynasty leagues of, of where Justin Herbert should be ranked. Is he, is he top three? Is he top five? He's, he, he's certainly got to be top 10 for, for most rankings, but I don't know if, if you remember um, everybody in the, in the dynasty community, they were, uh, they, I, I don't remember one person that was high on Justin Herbert where he was getting compared to Blaine Gabbard or uh, Blake Bortles where Everybody was just saying that that this was this was a total wasted pick by the Chargers. That they had the uh, the hard knocks episodes, and 
that Justin Herbert can't complete a pass and he, he's struggling learning the offense. And, and then we saw him come in and and just essentially dominate from uh, that, that first game that he played against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it, in Superflex, if you're quarterback needy, that you and I talked about this last year, but this this particular class, there's really not a lot of film or stats or anything because it was, it was the full COVID season. So this is the year that a lot of us are going to be going in with, with blinders on. And I'd say the NFL gets it right maybe half the time. And so with this, if, if we see even uh, day two quarterbacks being drafted, I think it's fine to, to give them a chance. You know, you think of guys that are taken later, like uh, Kirk Cousins or quarterbacks that, you know, you're like, oh, well, yeah, there's no chance they're going to start. If, if you've got a second or third round pick and, and you don't know where to take that dart throw, I think this this is going to be the year, um, not, not last season, you know, taking Kyle Trask or those types of quarterbacks, but I think this is going to be the, the season to – to go out on a limb and use those seconds and thirds for, for quarterbacks. Cause I, I think there's a good chance at least one of them hits. Yeah. And uh, I, I think the, uh, the comparisons um, are a little, a little outlandish right now where um, I, there, there's, there's been a lot of uh, pushback for, for players like Malik Willis, who I'm, I'm, I'm very much interested in. I think Malik Willis is going to be great for, for fantasy football. Uh, but, the, the comparison of him to Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen uh, kind of has has some people upset that that there's there's no way that he, that he has that that kind of ceiling um, to to be a, uh, a to finish the season as as, as QB one, which um, I, I I understand where that argument is is coming from, but I mean even Josh Allen wasn't really Josh Allen his his, uh, his rookie year in in, in twenty eighteen. Um, and, and Lamar Jackson barely even saw the field in his, uh, his rookie season. So if you're, if you're interested in any of, of these quarterbacks, I would just, just say, um, stick, stick with your takes. And if, uh, if you hear, uh, a, a dynasty expert, I mean, you, you can go back and listen to our shows as we were evaluating the, the 2020 class. And, um, you can hear how, how high we were on, uh, Justin Jefferson, um, and unfortunately, Brian Edwards. But uh, speaking of, uh, of of NFL prospects that that are labeled as as explosive or, or dynamic, um, there there is one wide receiver prospect that was um, that that was that was touted pretty highly. And then um, after the the combine, everybody was kind of moving off because it was um, pretty pretty objective that that he that he that he didn't perform well and that he's probably probably going to be a bust in the NFL combine. And, um, I won't, I won't tease it anymore, but that was, uh, uh, T Higgins. So, um, for, for those of you out there that, that drafted T Higgins at the end of the first or, um, early second, because you stayed with your original, um, take that, that he should have been drafted in the first round and that, that he's a good receiver that paid off. But, um, Sam, I don't know if, if you remember after the, the NFL combine, all of the hate and all of the shade that was going uh, T Higgins way. And now if you, if you check these, these dynasty rankings, T Higgins is currently ranked wide receiver 12. So this really slow prospect that fell up out of the first round because he's absolute trash um, is, uh, is, is right behind Debo Samuel and, uh, and Jalen Waddle. So if you, if you uh, 
watch a lot of Higgins and you, you, you recognize that he was a good prospect and you drafted him um, and, and you didn't listen to all, all the naysayers, then that definitely paid off. Yeah, no, I, I, I like it. And that's definitely something I like to put into to practice. And it's, hey, you know what, when you when you call your shots and even if you, you miss them, then misery loves company. So if you missed on a guy like Jalen Rager, um, I'm sure in every other league that you didn't draft him, somebody else had that same miss and you can, you can share that experience with someone else. Yep. And uh, Jalen Rager ended up turning into the, the, uh, the next Nelson Nagler for, for the Eagles. But um, we did see Nelson Nagler put together a, a, a decent wide receiver season for the Raiders um, in, in 2020, I believe. So, um, you know, if, if you still believe in Rager, maybe keep him at, at the end of your bench and maybe he'll go be productive for the Raiders next year. Yeah. Yeah. You've always got to wait for the, the veteran wide receiver that goes to Oakland and they're always good for a game or two. That's right. Well, that's everything that, that I had for this episode. You got any, anything else you want to plug? No, we will keep um, sharing our, rookie rankings and of course we'll make some adjustments throughout the season but until next time keep it flexy